1: Also, I am Kate Jinks.
2: I'm Brodie Lancaster. It's a pleasure to be back podcasting.
1: It sure is. <laughs> Although like last week, BL, I think we were both like, hey, it's so good to be back. I was like, oh, I just came back from holidays and I'm so refreshed. And you were like, I'm sick of being sick. So I'm not sick anymore. And everything's great. I feel good.
2: <laughs> Cut to the next morning, my COVID test lit up like a Christmas tree. And you I'm I'm sure are still feeling as refreshed as you were ah. a week and a half ago coming back from holiday.
1: Yeah, it was funny, like by the time the episode came out, like we recorded on a Monday, the episode came out on a Saturday, but by like Wednesday, I was as grizzled as I ever was, you know? Oh yeah. It was just like, ugh, holiday hag, normal hag, it's fine. Hagging it up over here. They all
2: blend into one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you you were finally Past, you are no longer positive. I'm, you were also negative, like me. Oh my god,
2: yeah, <laughs> I was I was negative about the situation I found myself in, back on fucking bed rest. Although I worked through it, honestly, having COVID last week, not minimizing it by any means, but I was very lucky to have a mild case to the point where the chest infection I had recovered from exactly three weeks earlier was um, so much worse. So I worked through the COVID last week and just like, you know, got up from my desk and laid down every hour or two. But I luckily had a lot of energy for like cleaning and cooking. I did so much fucking cooking at the start of the week. I was like, my larder is full. And I was like, I'm going to challenge myself to cook every meal this week with just what I've got in the house. A few days in, I ran out of onions. So I did a grocery order and <laughs> that went out the window, but I did cook a lot of stuff. You know, a big challenge for a a youngest child like me was accepting help that was offered, including saying, yes, Jinxie, please do a pharmacy run for me um another friend brought over stuff from the bakery shout out to sarah my sister sent me an uber eats voucher emily our friend dropped me off some filter fish en route to passover i was nourished from all sides by all the women in my life
1: it's really hard to accept help I am the exact same I I'm like no I'm fine I'm totally don't worry about it yeah and then I'll be frantically trying to work out how to get something done yeah yeah
2: yeah people offer and I say, no, I truly, I'm fine. And they go, okay, but if you, if you need anything, all right, well, if if it's not too much trouble, maybe to you, for example, I was like, if I could just add some tissues to the pharmacy order, but no problem if not, like
1: no, no. it was big. It was like, <laughs> PL, I'm going to the chemist. <laughs> like I'm at the pharmacy. It, you can add whatever the hell you like. It was it's total fine. no
2: worries if not energy all week. <laughs> yeah.
1: sorry for bugging you it's just um sorry for having needs Ugh, yuck people like to help
2: yeah and I felt I I was very grateful for all of the help and now that I can leave my house I'm not because it's winter in Melbourne now all of a sudden how was your week since I've seen you last being able to leave your house tell me everything how is it out there
1: Look, it's fine out there, b l Uh you're not missing much though. I don't know. I'm just I'm in major work mode at the moment. Um I really love Easter for some reason. I think it's like the pastel tones. It's not religious to me at all. Of course I see everything as a pagan holiday, a pagan celebration. But uh yeah, I didn't really do much. I uh went to the pub. That was about it. Nice. Yeah, it is yeah. it is a
2: cute holiday. It has um I did have a thought last weekend watching a lot of Easter-related content, that is it one that we should flip so that we have it at springtime as well, like Americans do? Like, should we be celebrating Easter later in the year when, like, eggs are hatching, babies are being born, the sun is coming out after a harsh, long winter, you know?
1: Only if we were then to incorporate a different autumn holiday. Like, if we're actually doing some kind of autumnal equinox situation, Um, then I would be fine too. Sure. But uh Great. I need something 4 months after Christmas.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'll take the long weekend.
1: No <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh god, I saw uh in like my work shared work calendar for the first time the King's birthday weekend coming up and it freaked me Isn't out. Isn't
2: it weird? It's so fucked it's up. It's so weird.
1: I know. It is It is like... I mean, it's weird to be part of the colonies still, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, apart from that. I mean, yeah.
2: I saw King's birthday and I was like, um, yuck. There was something kind of like femme about the last 60 odd years of that public holiday. Yeah.
1: Queen's birthday. How quaint. I'll take the holiday, sure, but, you know, whatever. And
2: there's just more kings coming after him, you know? Like, we're not going to have another queen <sighs> um, for in our lifetimes, I don't think
1: no what a sh- oh god that's a shame I hadn't thought about that hey when I was at the one of my Easter long weekend pub visits to the same pub to the same table ashamedly it was near the fire it was nice a listener came up so lovely we had such a great chat anyway it was really sweet it made my whole weekend love
2: that while you were doing that I was um in you know lockdown mode in my home and I started a new project of um, because can't just relax and watch a movie. It has to be a project. Vulture published this list of their essential New York horror movies. Oh. And I emailed it to myself ages ago. And I finally had a moment this weekend where I was like, all right, what am I gonna watch? I can't, I'm I'm I needed a little break from Vanderpump Rules. I've watched Yellow Jackets, et cetera. We'll get to it later. Um and Oh, we'll get to it. Oh, it's coming. And (laughs) I saw this email that I'd sent myself, and I was like, oh, I'm going to finally make that a list on Letterboxd so that I can kind of like tick things off as I go. I don't know if you can actually tick things off on Letterboxd. Anyway, I don't really use the app very often. And so I made this vulture article into a list on Letterboxd, which I'll put in the show notes if anyone else wants to watch along. And the list is like, I think, great. I've only seen a handful of them before, stuff like Rosemary's Baby ghostbusters um american psycho um but there's some stuff that i had never heard of like the driller killer and a movie called sisters
1: oh i love sisters the brian de palma yeah Oh, there's a great cake scene in that. I think you'll
2: enjoy it. I made a cake today. That's also on my list of things to talk about. And then there were a bunch of things that I have always been meaning to see, like Cruising and Cloverfield, which is the first movie that I watched from this list. I think I always thought that it was like a Day After Tomorrow style natural disaster scary movie because of the cover photo is like the Statue of Liberty with its head missing. Um, but you find out early on that, it's a creature that does that, not the weather. And it's like, you know, in that found footage genre, I spoke about 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is kind of like in the universe, but not a direct sequel a few episodes ago, which is a movie that I really love. And yeah, so now I'm I'm deep in like Cloverfield reading from 2018. Like I'm 15 years late to this movie. But yeah, now I'm like working my way through the list.
1: I love a lot of those films, so I really want to see this listener be oh, able yeah. to, because there's so many things I have not, I've not seen. There's
2: like Gremlins too, which I've never seen before. Never seen either oh, Gremlin. Um,
1: oh, Gremlins is a Christmas film. Yeah,
2: I've never seen it.
1: There's a real, um, probably need to cut this out, but um, Natasha Leon posted a recent fashion shoot, and I really felt like she was styled like uh, the Lady Gremlin.
2: The one where her hair is really crisp around her face, and yeah. she's very leggy. It
1: was a real Lady Gremlin mm. vibe, I thought. Mm. No disrespect, obviously. Love Natasha. Love
2: a Lady Gremlin.
1: <laughs> Drive me wild, those Lady Gremlins. mary gate school fan bl
2: no i know the name but i don't know any of her work what does she what kind of stuff does she do
1: well she's an american author she uh is really famous for the book bad behavior which is like a collection of short stories and she one of the short stories became the film secretary oh sexy there's a lot of bdsm in there shall we say okay.
2: is she contempt like a contemporary author i feel like her name makes me think she's like a woman from the past
1: She is contemporary, but she kind of... I mean, that book, Bad Behaviour, came out in 1988. So she's like, became... That was like her heyday, I suppose. I feel like I have not read enough of her, but everything I've read I've loved. I guess she's like a transgressive fiction writer, if you had to be a genre person about it. Um, But there was this great profile of her in the Paris Review, uh, and the latest issue, which is issue 243, but we'll link it in the show notes um, by Lydia Haas, who I'm not familiar with. But um, it's just a really insightful interview with an author who has sort of like carved out her own career writing these really idiosyncratic pieces. Like there's no one really like her doing this kind of thing. But all these little like tidbits about her early childhood and her family and how she relates to particularly characters and how she really dislikes that readers always think that the bad bad stuff she writes about like is all autobiographical that like she everything is you know related to something she's done always. but but then one of the questions is like so there's this um, particular story you've got about like a couple who go on a BDSM retreat and then realise that they don't like each other. And she's like, oh, unfortunately that I did do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately it may.
1: totally Uh, i'm baby um yeah look it's it was really funny um so if you're a fan i highly recommend it it starts off with this great bit about her it says um gateskill has the directness of an instinctive nonconformist, the learned reserve of someone naturally porous and the seasoned grace and good humor necessary to a person on whom others routinely project all kinds of junk I thought that was really, really pitch perfect. Mm. Also, she had a cat that was, she named Maeve and then she changed it to Mauve because she thought Maeve was, quote, too demure.
2: She's got a spicy little minx of a cat, I bet.
1: (laughs) Doesn't she just? Anyway, I really loved that. It like, it cheered me up today when I was feeling (laughs) a little down. I love that too. I've been reading like the
2: opposite of BDSM. Horror story, couple horror stories. <laughs> I finished, um, Monica Heisey's book really good, actually, which I recommended at the end of our, um, fan pump episode with Nomi Fry recently. Great, great little novel, highly recommend. So funny, right? Like every line is brilliant. And then in my sick bed, I pulled out a couple of books that a friend loaned me recently, including some that are kind of like very fluffy and almost like fan fiction adjacent. There's one that's called Red, White, and Royal Blue, which Ooh. feels like it's like if um, the <laughs> Amanda Bynes movie What a Girl Wants, where she finds out that her dad, Colin Firth, is like a prince, if that was like a gay, like very <laughs> horny movie instead of like a Disney Channel rom-com. Um <laughs> It's just like, it feels like you're reading fan fiction on the internet. It's great. It's like the son of the US president starts hooking up with a British prince who's like modeled on a very Prince Harry kind of archetype. Love it. (laughs) Not sure if I'm recommending it, but just a confession. I really enjoyed it. I also ordered the new Curtis Sittenfeld and I'm like counting down the seconds until it arrives in my hot little hands.
1: I can't wait for that. Love,
2: love everything she does. You know, um, funny, sorry. You know how some people on the internet will be like, as of this month, I'm only reading books written by women. And it's always like weirdly kind of braggy, but I always hear that stuff or read that stuff and think, doesn't everyone just read books written by women? Like I, I very, very rarely read a book written by a man. Same. So like as a funny joke, years ago, I was like... I'm going to make an effort to read more books written by men. And I went to the bookshop and shout out Jacqueline at Hill of Content was recommended I Think It You'll Say It by Curtis Sittenfeld, went away and like tore through it. And I was like, this guy Curtis really fucking knows how to write. I uh-huh. was like, men are actually good at writing female characters after all. And then my <laughs> friend showed up to meet me and was like, Oh, isn't that book great? She's amazing. And I was like, Who are you talking about?
1: Oh no. That's what I learned.
2: That even when I tried to read a book written by a man, I was still reading a book written by a woman and it was Curtis Infeld.
1: That is very uh Evelyn War was a man. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I also ordered the new Emily Henry book. She's like the queen of like the modern romance novel. There was this great piece about her and Vulture recently by Allison P. Davis and the little like strap line was the women are smart, the men are sincere, and the ending is always happy. Emily Henry cracked the modern romance novel. And, like, as you know, when I read people just saying their feelings out loud to each other, I cry. So... I know you do. These books have a lot in them for me.
1: I just tried to work out the last book I read by a male author who, like, contemporary male author. And... It would probably be the Topeka School by Ben Lerner. And that came out, I don't know, four years ago, <laughs> five years ago. That was the last one.
2: Yeah. For a few years there, I had a book that a man wrote on my like red pile every year because the sports journalist Conrad Marshall would write about um the Richmond Football Club and <laughs> has published a book on them every year that we've won. A premiership. That's uh, that's the extent of men's work that I've consumed (laughs) over the last few years. I think I'm actually scrolling on. Oh, Oliver Moles' Train Lord. I read last year, which I really liked. But yeah, I don't think besides that, the last time I read a book written by a man was.
1: I'm talking like cis straight, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It was just books about my football club.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got about forty pages into the Jonathan Franzen. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'll come back. I'll come back. Jonathan
2: Franzen's for a time in our lives, and that time is not now.
1: It's not right now. It is not right now.
2: I've kept a list of every book that I finished every year since 2018.
1: That is not surprise.
2: And I'm looking at it right in front of me right now. This is not a joke. Besides Adam J. Kurtz's, like, funny little kind of advice book that came out the start of last year, it's only books that are about my football club (laughs) and besides that it's it's all chicks in there you know what you like I know what I like I love chicks speaking of books written by women um this is a quick plug I'm interviewing Emma Straub and Gabriel Zevin at an event at Melbourne Writers Festival just doing a little plug if anyone wants to buy a ticket and come along it's on the 6th of May 10 30 in the morning chic time at the Capitol in Melbourne the event is called Like There's No Tomorrow you might have remembered Emma Straub's book um, this time tomorrow was one of my also also when it came out last year, Gabrielle Zevin, the author of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to buy a ticket.
1: Okay. Before we get into the big shows, Succession and Yellow Jackets, and don't worry, we will give you a big spoiler warning for those. We've been watching other things too because we're obsessed and we are just constantly watching because we're insatiable. Bia, what have you been viewing?
2: Okay, I discovered this new show on Amazon Prime. It's called... Mad Men. (laughs) (laughs) Ever heard of it? Ever heard of Prestige (laughs) TV? Um, I discovered this new show called Jury Duty. It's like the Truman Show meets like... Ricky Gervais's Extras meets the staircase. It's all takes place in like a small. Uh, I was about to say small town, like an LA County courthouse. All these people show up to jury duty. One of them is a guy called Ronald, who is there doing jury duty for the first time, and he doesn't. He thinks there's a documentary being made about the process of this court case. It's like the judge's last case that he's trying before he retires what Ronald doesn't know is that every single person he interacts with is an actor except for him so he's the Truman in this scenario and around him some of the faces are recognizable they're like you know working actors including like the kid who plays the head of the Harvard Lampoon on Sex Lives with College Girls so clearly Ronald isn't watching a whole lot of TV except he recognizes James Marsden who is there playing himself In the court, and he is chewing the scenery. He is having so much fun in this show. At the very start, they ask if he's ever been on a jury before, and he says yes. And then he's—they say in America, he says no. In Khan, (laughs) (laughs) he's like he's having the best time. I searched him on Twitter to see what people were saying about this role, and all I found was that there's a big community of people online who think that James Marsden deserves to be more famous. And his manager and agent are letting him down because he should have played Ken in the Barbie movie. Anyway, that's Jury Duty on Prime. Highly recommend.
1: I don't. I mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, no. The show sounds good. I'm just grappling with he should have played. Oh, Ken.
2: I know because it's like he's James Marsden. He was cast in this show to be so recognisable to so many people because he's been in everything because he's James Marsden. Mm. (laughs) Jigsy, what have you been watching?
1: Well, you know how I said I'm not going to do The Last of Us because I don't like things based off games and I don't like (laughs) zombies. Well, do you know what? Surprise, bitch. (laughs) A surprise bitch. The Last of Us is a really great show. (laughs) Melrose is a really good show. It's, look, it is excellent. Newsflash. If you haven't heard, The Last of Us, very good. I hadn't
2: heard it from anyone I listened to. So this changes things for me.
1: Tore through the thing. Like, couldn't stop watching it. Became very addicted. So I actually think it's a great time to watch it because everything's out. And people have sort of stopped talking in a spoilery way about it. So... If you haven't been paying attention to it, like I hadn't, I knew nothing, so I could fly through it with ease and grace, and it all came to me as if it was brand new. I understand Pedro Pascal. I get it. Ah,
2: I get it. yeah, okay. Sarah Paulson's best friend, oh. internet daddy,
1: Bella Ramsey is fantastic. Mm-hmm. God, non-binary. Oh, good to know. But does not mind what pronouns you use about them. Okay, but I'm. Let's go with them, they. So Bella Ramsey was, of course, in Game of Thrones and Catherine called Bertie, the Lena Dunham film we talked about a few episodes back or many episodes back that was great. Anyway, yeah, wow, Bella Ramsey, fantastic. But also Anna Torv is in it. Love Anna oh, Torv. Oh, love. Wait, haven't love seen Anna, Anna
2: Torv in anything for ages.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen her since the Newsreader.
2: That's right. I was like, where did I see her recently and loved the newsreader. Oh, my God, that's coming back soon.
1: But I did think it was Carrie Coon for the longest time and then looked it up and I was like, oh, no, it is Anna oh,
2: Kate, as soon as you said Anna Torv is in it, in my head, I was picturing Carrie Coon.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like, I mean, love her. Similar. <laughs> Can they play sisters already? That'd be good. Mm. Um, oh, speaking of Game of Thrones, not really. I mean, whoever wants to talk about that, but Nikolai William Costa Waldo was that his name?
2: The, the William I've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> the three names is enough for most
1: people. Nikolai Costa Waldo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The brother, right? Cersei's brother. Yeah. Lover brother. He was lover brother. He was on my flight recently out of Australia. Oh. And I saw him in the lounge, and I was like, "Who is that guy?" And Zoe, of course, has complete facial blindness around men. Mm-hmm as I've discussed before, so could not help me at all. And us texting, uh, like, a work colleague who is extremely good, Kate, who is so good at, like, spotting people, she couldn't help me, obviously, because I was like, he's tall. Um, Anyway, I did a Google search for actor with strong jaw, and it came up. It was like number three. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you flying to on this flight? Singapore. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Yes, with two other gentlemen. He's supposed to be very mm. funny. I'm sure he was, but um, I I didn't I didn't get past yeah past that. She had but, a great uh, plot. Anyway, The Last of Us. It's so gory, my god! Like I was, it's so gory and violent that I was like applauding at certain parts, like applauding the television. Wow, and like clutching my non-existent pearls you know like I was really it really shocked me quite a number of times and it is like kind of a bit too gamey like I haven't played the game obviously so like every time they're in a car it's like wild wild steering Uh. and every episode it's like new landscapes it's like level up bitches but I'll it's it's great it's Brody, you're going to have to watch okay, it. Okay, I guess
2: I'm going to have to. If you've watched all of it by now, because you texted me about it maybe two days ago that you were like, I'm giving it a go.
1: And now I've seen the whole thing. Yeah,
2: wow. Okay, well, relatable. I'm up to c on 5 of Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> I tried watching Well Mania on Netflix, the adaptation of Bridget Delaney's book from a few years ago starring Celeste Barber, who I did not know was an actor. All I knew that she was famous for is like, kind of chick magazine style mimicking like hot women's poses on Instagram but like being funny and awkward and like having a role if she bends over at a certain angle and I guess that's like feminism for some people it's never it's always left a weird like making fun of women bad taste in my mouth
1: yeah it's it's come up a few times as well like there have been critical articles and then it, they just sort of drop off and it goes away again
2: yeah I've never followed her on Instagram but I remember that there was a period where um she would kind of like explicitly was shitty about the women whose photos she was mimicking and it picked up steam mm. then and I was kind of grateful for it because I would see people praising her shtick and I just never got the appeal. It's just, I know it's not for me. So maybe trying my hand with this show was like a fool's errand. Yeah. I didn't make it very far in. I couldn't quite articulate it, but I find her style very like, (laughs) I wrote in my notes, boy, like, (laughs) <laughs> that's the feeling I got watching it where I was like I know that I'm supposed to be like slapping my knee at like watching a woman fall over or whatever and it's just not it's just not for me I'm I'm steering clear
1: yeah I've got no comment on Wellmania, but loved uh Celeste Barber in the letdown
2: oh okay good to know any other shows on your list
1: yeah Top Chef oh Top Chef is back. We're at season 20. I see him behind you laying on the couch. I know. But every time this show returns, I'm like, now's the best opportunity for you to get into this show if you haven't. But this one truly is because it's uh, World All-Stars and it's shot in London. It features contestants from all around the world who have won or come very close to winning Top Chef in their respective countries. Uh, You've got the most recent... Winner of American Top Chef, who is actually from Australia. Mm. His name's Buddha, and he's from Port Douglas. Uh, Shout out, Buddha. Shout out, Buddha. He made a dish for the latest episode that was extremely, like, Donna Hay though, that I felt like okay, like a, the the dish was too relatable for Top or was Chef. Was it
2: served on a pastel blue plate?
1: It was like lots of crushed up nuts and salady things on top of like a beautifully cooked piece of salmon. Like you could see it on like delicious magazine yeah, yeah. Christmas. Do you know what Fully. I mean? It's like lovely, but you know, but it's got contestants from like Italy by way of the Congo, Germany, Mexico, Poland. Like they're all there and they're all telling their stories, their culinary journeys. And it's really delightful. Okay,
2: where do I watch Top Chef if I, this is where I want to join?
1: If you're in Australia, you watch it, unfortunately, on Hey You, the worst app in the world. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, okay. I've made my peace with Hey You. I'm not um, cyberbullying them on Twitter anymore. <laughs> I did fix a few clear bugs in the Apple TV app, so I'm leaving them alone for now.
1: They gave me sunset tan, so I'm a fan. <laughs> Forever grateful. <laughs> I have watched the first
2: few episodes of the new season of Ted Lasso.
1: What? There's a new season? Yeah. It's like season three. Yeah. Oh, that's too many. I think I thought it was finished at season. 2 I'm glad
2: you said it's too many because one, I feel like, was too many. the The moment when I
1: enjoyed one, I so did I. The moment when Hannah,
2: what's her face, as character, after being a raging bitch and causing like being like the dramatic tension in that first season. The season ended and she just was like i'm nice and everyone's friend now
1: no interest no interest. the fucking
2: bl- the air was let out of the balloon of that show the last thing i'm going to say about this show ever is that it's mrs harris goes to paris but sports <laughs> and famously yes. mrs harris goes to paris is just paddington bear
1: yeah and i love mrs harris as we all know and i love paddington but Ted, I'm just – he's –
2: Put a moustache on Mrs Harris and she's fucking Ted Lasso.
1: I feel like a lot of people really needed nice shows during or straight after the pandemic to be like, oh, the world is a good place. But I don't.
2: Ted Lasso isn't funny. I don't. We all need to to come together, look one another in the eyes – and go, what's a joke? Are there any in this show? The answer is no. Like that, they had a cold open in one episode and the big punchline at the end of the cold open was just a guy driving his car into the bins in the morning and being like, oh, no, I've driven me car into me bins. That's not a joke. We all need to fucking have higher standards. I'm
1: sorry yeah look i watched half of season two and then i forgot that it was a show i was watching which i think is the worst worst uh review i could give a show i've stopped
2: paying for apple tv until severance comes back i'm not even giving myself the option
1: okay yeah all right yeah i started watching that show shrinking i've also forgot i was watching that. me too and i only remembered the second that i came out of my mouth yeah <laughs> i started
2: watching that too and after like an hour the first episode was still playing and i was like i can't i'm not doing this
1: no What about some shows that we are enjoying or not enjoying? I don't know. We haven't really spoken about them, but uh, I guess it is time to get into... Should we do Succession or Yellow Jackets first? Ladies' choice. Um, Lady Gremlins' choice.
2: <laughs> let's do Yellow Jackets first.
1: Okay. Here is your spoiler warning. We will be talking about... We're up to date. We've seen the first three episodes of season two. We've seen all of season one. Uh, so you know look in the show notes right now and we will tell you exactly when you can uh, fast forward to to get back into the also alsos
2: okay yellow jacket season two the girlies are still in the forest the girlies are still <laughs> in present day nothing is happening in either of these timelines I'm so furious at this show Kate
1: I mean happening i know like, but i just don't know that julia lewis has been kidnapped by a cult in the woods <laughs> melanie linsky and her husband are like having sex in the guy that melanie linsky just murdered studio like this shit happening
2: it's happening so slowly i'm feeling so i mean look my take on season one was just that it it's a show that felt like It was a season of a show that knows that it's going to be three or four seasons long and it dragged everything out and I'm still really feeling that way. I feel like they have a few big moments in this series and they're just falling flat for me because there's just so much show around them and I don't think that they're significant enough. I almost feel like the the payoff for me isn't there. I came away from this third episode that ends with Charlotte Lottie in the present day leading her cult. She goes over to a beehive and all the bees are dead on top of it. And then she pulls a screen of like honey out of the beehive, but instead of honey, it's blood. And I was just like, this is, this is nothing. This is like dark. And I get that she's having like a scary vision, but it's also nothing because we don't know anything in this show. We've spent so much time in this show And yet, still, there's nothing. They did finally eat someone, though, which I'm really grateful for.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, that's that's not nothing, um, the cannibalism aspect. But it is a fully ridiculous show. It has a massive touch of the Ryan Murphys about it, which is something I don't like, um, as you know. And that is the element of the show that I'm not into because it just feels like it just knows. I don't know. It doesn't. I don't think it knows really what it is. But it's just, it's leaning so hard into, like, near stupidity. That said, I'm enjoying it and, like, I just, I keep going back for more. Mm,
2: Look, I'm going to finish the season. I'm going to watch all of it. I know that I am. I just, I had a moment, yeah, watching this third episode where I was like, either they know where it's going and they think that that payoff is going to be so huge Or they think that kind of like the reveal of like who scratched these figures into the trees and like (laughs) why was this girl who was sleepwalking as a teenager and is sleepwalking as an adult, like there's going to be some revelation there. And like I know that we're going to see adult man played by Lauren Ambrose, which I'm very excited for. Can't wait. But even the stills that have been released of her in character, her scars still look fresh. We're supposed to believe that, like, 15 or 20 years have passed.
1: Well, they did such a bad job of fixing her face in the forest. So, yes, I think Okay. she would have had to have, like, very extensive cosmetic surgery as an adult and they probably wouldn't be, like, sure. full skin graft situation. Sure. So I don't. I'm okay with that side of th- I think I'm just grateful yeah. that it's Lauren Ambrose, yeah. to be honest. Well, that's
2: like all the, all the kind of beloved actors in this show. You're watching for Juliette Lewis and Christina Ricci and reuniting with Elijah Wood for the first time since the ice storm.
1: Can I give you a little Elijah Wood anecdote? Give
2: me the anecdote.
1: At Golden Age in Sydney, the cinema, when I was there living in Sydney, we had rented out the space to like a Tourism New Zealand event, right? Elijah Wood happened to be staying at the Paramount House Hotel, the beautiful hotel in the gorgeous heritage listed building that the cinema's in. And he came down the stairs and he saw all of the New Zealand posters like around getting ready for this red carpet event. He just popped in. Like, I think that the people who attended that event thought that Tourism NZ had flown had paid him in. For a, yes. <laughs> But he didn't. He was just there, so he was like, must it be funny? Famously loves New Zealand, Elijah Wood. Isn't that cute? Yeah, because he was like, "Mm, "I'll give him a bit of a, you know. My home away from home. Frodo (laughs) thrill, and uh, isn't that cute? That's
2: amazing. Actually, that's iconic. Made
1: me love him. Yeah, made me (laughs) love that guy. Anyway. I
2: always confuse Elijah Wood for Tobey Maguire.
1: Forever and always will do that.
2: But it's tricky when a situation arises like the one that just popped into my head, which was when I was about to reference. Elijah Wood being in the Pussy Posse, which he was not. That, that was Toby Maguire.
1: Therein lies the difference between the two oh, of yeah. them. But, yeah, look, the cast of this is enough for me to just watch. I'll watch Melanie Linsky in anything. She's also in The Last of Us, P.S., if you need one more hook. Huh. But the one thing about the Melanie Linsky character, I think that the girl, the, the actor who plays her as a teenager, is very good, yeah. very good However, because we are so familiar with Melanie Linsky as a literal teenager in Heavenly Creatures, I cannot see that younger girl as Melanie Linsky's character. Like, my brain won't allow me to. I feel like they are two separate characters. They are.
2: I'm not connecting that. The younger one who is pregnant and Melanie Linsky who has a daughter are like one of the same.
1: <laughs> like the- oh, that bitch teenage daughter. She's such a bitch. She's <laughs> so awful. She wants- what an awful character. She wants her mum to go to jail. <laughs> you know, like leave well enough alone.
2: <laughs> Jesus. She was in the forest eating her friend.
1: Oh, God, exactly. I mean, it's in her. Would have gone to her. It
2: nourished her, mm-hmm. that ear. That that became, like, her pinky finger or something.
1: The cannibalism scene was pretty good, I have to say. It was, like, I mean, it's so ridiculous that, yes, like, the spirits of the forest, like, roasted her to perfection or whatever. Um, I can't remember that character's name, the one who dies and they eat. Yeah, the
2: popular one whose boyfriend Melanie Linsky was fucking... I don't know. I Not forget. a lot of
1: meat on her. Not a lot of meat on her. No. They seem to have a good feast, however. I'm worried that they're going to eat the teacher.
2: I think they're absolutely going to eat the teacher. I think, Christina, I think we we need to prepare ourselves for seeing Misty eating his dick. Oh, no. Kate?
1: I can't. That's that's what can't. Ryan Murphy
2: would do, WWRMD, <laughs> that he he think- would have that happen.
1: The thing about this show is, like, on paper, it's just, like, it's perfect for us, right? It's, like, teen girls, are like, stuck in a forest having to make do and, like, survive. So it's like a survival show. show. Sharon Van Etten on the soundtrack. Sharon Van Etten on the soundtrack. It's, like, all these needle drop moments, like, the queer girl characters and, like, the gay teacher or soccer coach or whatever he is. Like, Melanie Linsky, the whole cast, and then a cult. It's weird etchings in the forest it's like it's actually brilliant but uh, there's something just not quite there about it
2: there's no there there with yellow jackets <laughs> yeah, i don't i don't know if the writing is that good maybe they need to just have fewer ep- i it really just feels like one story that they've drawn out over 40 hours and we're only at hour 13. Like we've got a long way to go. These forests are dark and deep.
1: I'll watch all of them. I'll watch all the hours, unfortunately. are in it,
2: sadly. I told you this on the weekend, but there is, um, it's kind of a see also for a very famous well-known <laughs> film, but there's a scene where um, Ty and Van as teenagers are together and they're kind of snuggling and then Ty goes to like bite Van. And it did remind me of The Bones. Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All which came out last year we all were like excited to see Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell, Chloe Sevigny in Bones and All and then that film came out and it went fucking nowhere it didn't get nominated for any awards I barely know anyone who even saw it maybe people listening to this are like it was a huge movie Brody what are you talking about but I really feel like it it fizzled and disappeared into nothing you Jinxie, on the weekend said Maybe it was too much of a like teen marketing. I had some friends who avoided it because they thought it was going to be too gory and and cannibal-y. It was a beautiful movie, like truly one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. If you are squeamish about the cannibal stuff, it's pretty well signposted far in advance. So if you want to cover your eyes, it gives you time to. And it's rentable on Apple, I figured out today.
1: Okay. I need to see it. I need to see it.
2: You'll love, I think. Speaking of a great soundtrack, my
1: God. Cue Cornflake Girl. Okay, this is the second spoiler warning for the show. If you didn't care about Yellow Jackets, you're probably going to care about spoilers for Succession (laughs) if you are human at all. Uh, So... We'll play a sound and then check the show notes for when you should listen again.
2: We're going to get into episode three of Succession's final season. Jinxie, we both made sure to watch this episode before recording this podcast, but also before going on the internet.
1: Oh, I did not go on the internet until I'd watched.
2: Yeah, it's become like, you know, I don't know if even Game of Thrones was this bad, but it has become the show that people live tweet, they live react, which is fine. I like, I'm of the opinion that if you're not watching it, like right when it comes out, it's your responsibility to like avoid spoilies. I did the same thing with White Lotus. I made sure I watched the finale before I opened Instagram. Um, And when I do get things spoiled for myself, I chastise myself and no one posting. Um, But yeah, it really is a, I was texting a couple of friends today saying, no, really, you have to watch this now or don't go on Instagram.
1: Yeah, I texted my sister as soon as I finished, actually halfway through watching it because we'd just been talking about it and she was like, oh, I don't know whether to save it up because, like, I hate it when I have a whole week left. And then I texted and I was like, do not delay lest there be spoilers. Yeah,
2: the internet giveth and the internet give a things that annoy us because <laughs> I for, for weeks have been ranting to anyone who will listen about this I'm so annoying but so is the internet we're still being besieged by capacious bag jokes <laughs> it's been three fucking weeks and it won't die I I joked to some friends a while ago that you remember at during the, at the end of like the Trump presidency when there was that press conference in front of four seasons total landscaping people made merch they bought t-shirts about it Mm -hmm. i joked that it was like our generation's vote for pedro (laughs) t-shirts that like in two years people will be like get it and i feel like that's what the capacious bag jokes become within two days if i see people recycling them i'm like get a fucking life
1: It's like the Barbie meme, you know. It's like, yeah, it's good, it's very good, but after twenty four hours, the cycle has passed.
2: After twenty four hours, you don't see a funny one.
1: No, you don't. That's that's true. Yeah, it's like I think you've got you got a strike, and if you don't, forget about it. Just forget about. Forget
2: about it. IKEA social media managers posting about the blue bag being capacious last week. Come on, guys. You're better than this.
1: <laughs> Succession is true appointment viewing. You have to watch it. You have to keep up to date. Well, at least if you care, right? If you care. If you don't care, what are you doing with your life? One thing also from the internet is you remember that like video that was doing the rounds and it was a theme song, but it was with who will get a kiss from daddy song over the top. Yeah. I can't watch the theme song without hearing that and sing it while it is on every single week. I cannot. And I'm so hoping that the last episode, they just go with it and play that. Like that would be, that would be ideal. And in episode two, when like Roman gets a text message, we both said, oh, Roman got the kiss from daddy.
2: (laughs) And later in that episode, when they go and do karaoke together... Connor essentially says, I know I'm not getting a kiss from daddy,
1: but I've stopped wanting it. <laughs> yeah. Connor was so good in episode two. Connor is
2: my MVP of this season so far. Oh, he's doing
1: really well. I mean, I know, I don't want to be capacious bags about it, but um, when he was talking about wanting to go to karaoke, because it was like normal, a normal thing that normal people do. No, that people describing- do in the movies. Yep, and he was describing normal people and he said men who sweat from their hands and have blood in their hair. I was like, what an absolutely like monstrous view of like so-called normal people. It was so funny. I loved it so and much. And then he
2: went and did. Um, he ordered some kind of fancy European beer and sang like a sad lament. <laughs> <console.
1: Yes. laughs> oh, so, but his good. It was his great. speech
2: in that episode, basically chastising his siblings, but from a place of like newfound peace. Connor has found some kind of peace in his. 1% polling for to be president. I'm like, Connor doesn't need anything except the presidency. And he says to them that the good thing about having a family that doesn't love you is that you learn to live without it. He just describes his siblings as needy love sponges. And I'm a plant that grows on rocks and lives off insects that die inside of me. That's like... People think that the good writing on Succession in, is when Kieran Culkin just says fuck instead of any adjective. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard on TV.
1: And I love his relationship with Willa as well. In episode three, before we get to the big news of episode three, uh, the, like, the talk that they have when Connor says, you, do you just want to be with me for my mo-? I'm paraphrasing. Do you just want to be with me for my money? And then she like pauses and kind of says yeah (laughs) I think there's something
2: really beautiful about their relationship because it is just
1: like but I'm happy I'm happy yeah she came
2: back to him after that rehearsal dinner you know like the rest of his siblings go home alone he goes home to Willa I think Connor's been like the the punchline for the last three seasons for good reason obviously I'm not being like we shouldn't have laughed at Connor we were supposed to laugh at Connor um but Connor and Willa's relationship is like very honest. They, mm. They're they, coming at it like very clear eyed and being like, what do you want? Uh, money, but like niceness as well. And he's like, I want companionship and I've learned to live without love. So like this is close. This is good enough for me.
1: Yeah. Willa also looked great on at her wedding day. Willa's
2: the best. I love her.
1: She looked beautiful. Yeah, she rocked. I love that she's like a failed playwright as well and how bad that play was. Oh, love Oh my it. God, love that's it, right. It, I it. forgot
2: about Willa's play.
1: I know you were saying that it's not just like Roman's, you know, little quips that are funny, but my God, I loved it when he told Kendall in the second episode, like, when he gives some kind of Buddhist kind of quote and then Roman says, like... Hey,
2: Buddha, nice Tom Ford.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, Buddha, nice Tom Ford. So good.
2: Yeah, look, I do I do love a little Kieran Culkin that he wears bracelets in his um, when he's not playing uh, Roman, but um, I love that little freak.
1: Oh, I love that. I mean, I love all those freaks. I love Sarah Snooker's Shiv. I love all of them.
2: All of them. Before we get into the spoilers, if anyone doesn't want to listen to spoilers, but does want to listen to more of Kate and I featuring Sarah Snook and her husband, Dave Lawson, we went up, we went head to head in the season three finale of the Saturday quiz at the end of last year. So you can listen to us battle it out.
1: It was fun. It was a fun time. It was very fun. Who got the kiss from daddy? We won't tell you. We won't tell you. You'll have to listen. I let out an audible gasp when I saw Cherry Jones in episode two. And then uh, my partner Zoe looked at me and she said, you're dressed the same. Oh, oh my God. And I was like, oh,
2: hmm. Greater words hmm. have never been spoken, truly. Okay. She, that character dresses like Ina Garten.
1: I guess she does. Which is you. I just really hope I look like Cherry Jones when I'm older. That's my goal. Cherry
2: Jones with the Easer of threes. <laughs> that <laughs> gag from Fire <laughs> Island that we both loved.
1: <laughs> um,
2: yes. Uh Yeah, the the looks in that family house, I forget the actress who plays Naomi Pierce, but her, like, black sunglasses inside, loose linen pants, coming out to greet the Roy siblings was so, so fucking chic And it reminded me of this part in um, like an interview that Kieran Culkin gave recently where they talked about like what have you learned about billionaires' like lifestyles from playing this character? And he talked about how they don't wear coats. They never wear coats because they go from a climate-controlled room into a car, into the waiting helicopter or plane or building. And if you do happen to have like outerwear You're then Greg and you're taking it off and stuffing it between your knees or you have to carry a backpack or you have to carry a capacious bag or whatever, you know, because everyone else is just has their comfort prioritized at all times.
1: Yeah, you don't need your flats for the subway, that's for sure. No, you just
2: need um, Kendall's three very thin puffer jackets layered on top of one another.
1: (laughs) Totally, totally. Also the whole idea of stealth wealth and so many goddamn articles about it. It's like this has always existed. This is not maybe we just have like a quippy, you know, phrasing for it now, which is fine, but like, come on. Like the real luxury has always been not splashing a brand on something. Paging Lydia Tar.
2: Truly. Yeah, she's the row is like a perfect example of this. If you know what it is, then you know. But if you don't know, then you just think it's like a nice coat.
1: Oh, I love that yeah that they don't wear coats. It's very funny. Mm. I've got a lot of coats, I wouldn't know.
2: <laughs> Me neither. I'm I'm never the right temperature.
1: <laughs> okay. I was shocked by episode
2: 3B. I was shocked and I'm really feeling for anyone who just casually logged on to vulture before going home to watch this episode because it looked like a fucking eulogy, like when the queen died and was just splashed on the covers of every newspaper.
1: Fucking valet.
2: RIP to daddy. Daddy only got to kiss Carrie, I imagine.
1: The thing I was so shocked by was like, oh, does this... Are we going to go into flashback territory or is that no more Brian Cox?
2: I have a feeling we'll probably see him, see his face. There'll be a eulogy or some kind of funeral in a coming episode. But I think it might be no more Brian Cox. So Succession has a uh, official podcast that HBO releases. It, I still have not found my go to Succession podcast, and and times are ticking to find it. But um, I find this one a little inside baseball to be like truly critical at reading the show. But they did a recap with Mark Mylod, the director, Jesse Armstrong, the you know showrunner who wrote this episode. And also a quick interview with Brian Cox at the end. It's hosted by Kara Swisher, who I just love. And he, Brian Cox, kind of said that each episode of the season takes place over a day. And maybe this is true for the rest of the series. I've never quite noticed that. Hmm. But he said, you know, and that means that I died on day three.
1: Yeah, that makes,
2: hmm. It's bringing the kind of promise of the show back to the forefront again.
1: Because I did feel that. Like the first episode, first two episodes, I loved, like enjoyed them. They were beautifully written. Um, The lack of coats was extreme, but I was a bit like, yes, we know the children are fighting with their father. Like I've seen this. Yeah, And it was a bit like
2: how long can this power tussle last before the series ends?
1: Totally. I was a little worried that they were going to just keep this going until like the penultimate episode or something. Um, And then there'd just be some massive showdown in the finale. But I'm so glad that I guess what we're going to get is that they have to decide what they're going to do with the company. uh, Whether any of them want to branch out solo, whether they all want to take over themselves. Um, Will Shiv get back with Tom, etc. Now it's going to be down to the kids.
2: Which is like, in some ways this season, watching them team up and work together, it's been fun, but it's also been weirdly unsatisfying because it's like, no, you guys fight with one another. That's the fun bit. And obviously Roman kind of like crawling back into his dad's good graces sets up some kind of like, you know, he was loyal at the end of his life and now he's gone I think Roman will expect that loyal to be like honoured in some way.
1: Yeah. And will Roman and Jerry get together?
2: Oh my God. I truly thought that this third episode, we were finally going to get that like Dom Harold and Maude moment (laughs) in a fucking, I thought Jerry was going to tell Roman to like go into one of the bathrooms on that boat and she'll come in later and leave him waiting there for two hours. But like, I I scrolled back to the start of the episode after finishing it just to see like what was Logan's last words and you know he was on the phone he told Roman to get rid of Jerry and then he gets on the jet with Tom and they're just talking about like making their next aggressive move taking down the head of ATN that woman who Tom has it out for Sid and that was the last the last we heard was Mm. him you know pulling punches.
1: And then you've got Roman going, I'm sad. I'm actually this emotion that I am feeling. I is sadness. I am sad. And Jerry just being like, all right, see ya. Yeah. Sorry for your loss.
2: After leaving the voicemail being like, you're being a cunt to me. (laughs) (laughs) Side note, I saw this girl on TikTok last week who on a walk in New York last year, she went by the water and she and her friend just stumbled across the boat That was all dressed up for Connor and Willa's wedding. And she was like, oh my God, next week's episode. I actually like saw them filming it. What did she see? Because seeing Shiv, you would, I'm surprised I didn't realize it sooner. Shiv is dressed for a funeral. Shiv is in like a black blazer, a black shirt, black pants. After her like frilly, like body con dress at the Italian wedding last year, she's now... In all black for Connor's wedding.
1: I thought she was trying to do some like, I'm a real businesswoman now.
2: Well, she was ready for her press conference. Do you want to hear something fucked up?
1: Uh, always. So on the
2: official HBO podcast, which I'll link in the show notes, Jesse Armstrong said that Shiv's moment addressing the press—wait <laughs> for it—was partially inspired by Jolene Maxwell. who had to do the same after her dad died on the Canary Islands. She had to like, and I was like, who is Jelaine Maxwell's dad? And then they said, he's like a media guy. I Googled him and here's what came up. He was a Czechoslovak born British media proprietor, member of parliament, suspected spy and fraudster. Wow. Yeah. And little Jelaine before she got in some trouble of her own, had to get up and speak about her late father.
1: Imagine basing something off Jelaine Maxwell anything. Yeah.
2: Also I'm realizing now Oof. Sarah Snook has been giving the performance of a lifetime promoting this season and talking about how oh my god we did the final table read. I had no idea that season 4 was going to be the last one. They totally sprang it on us. Like he fucking dies in episode
1: 3. Liar. Mhm. Well, I believed it whole and Sink. <laughs> Me too. So.
2: Oh, one other great thing that Brian Cox says on this podcast is that he talks about how he's had like some death in his family recently. His sister died and then he says, and, you know, my father-in-law, who's my age.
1: What? <laughs> oh, my God, he's from one of those families? Yeah,
2: or he's married a much younger woman
1: oh, whose, yes, right, whose dad
2: is his age. That's what I assumed <gasps> it was.
1: Oh yes, you're right. Yeah. I was I like, going the much more polite version? Um it never is. It never is. But yeah, I'm wow. I'm so excited
2: about this. Like the um this is what the series has been leading to. And I was kind of I really enjoyed how fucked everyone was when it happened. Like they were so unprepared. It's what this whole series has been predicated on, the moment that Logan dies, but it wasn't Operation London Bridge. It's not like you know things went into <laughs> yes. effect immediately they were still like who's in the room who's saying what what do we say who who knows
1: yes totally yeah i loved how how shocked they all were and they in in true form they didn't know what to say uh, like didn't know whether to say, couldn't remember what they'd said in all those last moments. Um, it was very real. Mm. It was very real. Mm. I have to say. Yeah. Um, I also really love that. Um, Brian Cox. Like people keep asking Brian Cox about Jeremy Strong, Kendall, who and like his acting method, and <laughs> most recently, I believe it was in Town and Country magazine, he said. Oh, it's fucking annoying. Don't get me going on it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> he said, he's a very good actor, and the rest of the ensemble is all okay with this, but knowing a character and what the character does is only part of the skill set. He said, he's fucking gifted. When you've got the gift, celebrate the gift. Go back to your trailer and have a hit of marijuana, you know? <laughs> It's so funny
2: when you like, you know, it's such a joke that Jeremy Strong is like a serious method actor at this point, but then you watch the show he's gone method for and it's like a guy sitting looking at his phone being like, Dookie, Dookie, that's Dookie, that's a total turd with Dookie on top." I'm like, what, what was the point of all that method, bro?
1: Totally, I love yeah. it, I love it. The mid-season
2: trailer came out and looks so sick scenes between alexander skarsgård and sarah snook doing deals hustling tom unsure of his place like i'm really excited now i don't know how many episodes it's going to be i don't know if it's going to be 10 because mid-season trailer coming out after episode three but very exciting
1: Okay, it's now safe to return to see also you're safe, you're free. Uh, And it's time for Also Also's where we recommend a few things that we have been enjoying each week. BL, what's your first one?
2: My first one is the series Women Who Rock. Jessica Hopper, iconic music journalist, author, critic, made this documentary series all in the purpose of charting the matrilineal story of rock music, so women's stories in rock music from the 1950s, through to today there are four episodes in Australia they're streaming on SBS Spiceland in America there's a bunch of places you can watch them including Amazon, Apple TV, um, Sky Arts in the UK Um, but it's running in so many places around the world there are four episodes they're themed around truth, defiance, power and success and it features interviews with so many women throughout music history including Shania Twain, Pat Benatar, Joan Jett, Khalees, Tori Amos, shout out Yellow Jackets, Susanna Hoffs, Chaka Khan. Like I can't, can't recommend it highly enough.
1: Oh, that sounds great. I have a read also. Full disclosure, I have not finished the book, but I'm enjoying it so much I wanted to bring it up. It's uh, Eleanor Catton's new book, Burnham Wood. It's like an eco thriller set in New Zealand about a guerrilla gardening collective, uh, about taking up space and, uh, you know, using land for the good of humanity, maybe? Question mark. Um, it's yeah, exactly. It's really great. Eleanor uh, Catton, of course, wrote *The Luminaries*, the much, uh, the prize-winning novel. It won a slew of awards. I actually didn't really like it. I didn't really hmm. like that book very much at all, hmm. but um, I'm very much enjoying Burnham Wood and it makes me want to watch uh, Kelly Reichardt's Night Moves again.
2: Kate, I was just about to bring up Night Moves. <laughs> yeah.
1: it's um, I can't really tell where it's going, this storyline, and that is thrilling to me. Hmm. Sounds great.
2: Uh, my next one is a sweet also. I just want to, uh, full disclosure, I have been at home with COVID for the past week, so I have not been doing or seeing or consuming a whole lot of new things except the ones that I've just spent the last hour talking about um but I did make some cookies with my cordless hand mixer which you know I love um the brown butter and toffee choc chip cookie recipe from Bon Appetit um it's by the recipe developer Kate Davis and I just so happened to buy a bag of like toffee pieces from the supermarket on impulse before I went into COVID lockdown And I took my opportunity, because who's going to fucking make their own toffee, and made this recipe. And it's like any cookie recipe that starts with brown butter and is all made in like one bowl. Delicious. I love. I've been enjoying them for the past few days.
1: Yum, yum, yum. That sounds very good. Mm. Uh, my next one is a search also, it's justwatch.com. I have brought it up before on this podcast but today I was looking for a way to watch a film that we are going to discuss on an upcoming Poodle BL that I'm excited about and needed to take a rewatch, and I remembered that a listener had DM'd us on Instagram at see also Podcast. Uh, many, many months ago that there is actually an app um, for Just Watch and you can install it on your phone or your TV. Anyway, I installed it on my TV and used it that way and it was really good. So in the settings you can go through and um, you just tick all of the streaming sites that you have or subscriptions that you have, and then it searches them all for you. Um,
2: oh, that's so handy.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Anyway, and so you can you can also set it to different territories. So if you were like, oh, I would love my friend in the States to watch this, um, I've been able to find things there. But yeah, it's called Just Watch, and it's free, totally free app.
2: Just Watch has become my go-to for, like, researching for this podcast ever since you first recommended it. My last one is a hair also. I finally made the leap i did not get the dyson but i got a cheap hot brush an electric hot curling brush thing i don't know the difference between all the different brands i watched a couple of comparison videos on adore beauty's website because i just realized i'm never going to be able to blow out my hair with a blow dryer and a round brush i just don't have the coordination so I bit the bullet and um, I bought one from a brand that honestly kind of sounds fake. It's called Hot Tools Black Gold Volumizer Set. And that just makes me think of black and gold, like the home brand <laughs> <laughs> that we grew up with. Totally. But it's, um, it's a set with two different size like curling brush heads that you can attach. And I used it the last time I washed my hair. I went from having damp hair to like blown out smooth hair in like I'm not joking 15 minutes.
1: My last one is a cook also. It's um what I call the Palm Springs salad, but the recipe writer on the internet has called it a kale and quinoa salad with dates, almond and citrus dressing, which is obviously much more descriptive. But it's a recipe for this salad that they served, I don't know if they still do at the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs, and I had it in 2014. So this is like a long time memory of a salad, right? But I ate quite a bit of it when I was staying there um, because they use local dates and it was very delicious. I came home, I tried to make it from memory. I never could get it right. And then I found someone on the internet had also been doing the same thing, was on the same mission as me. And they published their recipe after many uh, trials on the kitchen website. So it's like, the kitchen but it's missing an e in kitchen and um yeah it's pretty good it's like quite spot on it's like this is a recipe for a salad I that's always massive it's a massive salad it's a big salad and basically if I've come to your house with food or you've come to my house I have served this to you like it's always on the table It's like a perfect side. It goes with everything. So I'm going to link obviously the recipe for it, but I have to make some edits. I find American dressings for salads always too sweet, like 100% always too sweet. So with this, I use half the maple syrup, very important. And I always pump up the mandarin juice and the salt in it. Also the recipe writer, advises only using a leafy or a Tuscan kale or cavolo nero. I actually only use curly kale with this one. She says do not use the curly kale, but you'll get a much bigger salad this way. You just have to de-stem it, chop it, and then give it a really good massage. Like add a little bit of oil to it and go to town, give it a massage in a bowl, and then it will be perfect. It will be broken down enough. Anyway, perfect for a festive table, BL. Oh my God. The salad. It's the salad. I know we've had the stew. This is the salad.
2: <laughs> Look at Alison, Roman, jinxie coming through. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, we would love if you would pop over to Instagram to follow us at see also podcast, head over to Apple podcast, leave us a five-star rating and write a little review. Tell us how much you love us. We simply love to read them.
1: Oh, we sure do. Follow us at See Also Podcast. That's the best way to get in touch with us as well. Tell your friends about us, share it on Instagram. And thanks as ever to Samuel Hodge for our imagery. And Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music.
2: Speaking of Harvey Sutherland, if you're one of our American listeners, he's coming on tour for the first time to the States. He's playing in LA, Chicago, Brooklyn, and San Francisco. He's also playing in Albania and Denmark and Brazil. He's coming to Brazil. I don't know how many listeners we have in those countries, but... If any of that is near you, go to his website, buy a ticket, go support. He's great. You're going to have a great time.
1: You're going to have the best time. And if he's got merch, he has the best merch. Buy it all. No
2: one has better merch.
1: See ya. (laughs) Bye.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.